welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. We have today a guest with a very inspiring personal story who will tell us about painting the picture. Born in the South Bronx in New York City, Troy Butson arrived in Finland five years ago with over 20 years of sales and public speaking experience with some of the largest multinational corporations. Trained in sales and public speaking by Pfizer and Orto McNeil Pharmaceuticals, he has presented to hundreds of doctors throughout the New York City. Bringing his expertise in sales and public speaking to Finland, he embarked on a career as a corporate trainer, helping Finnish business people master the skills associated with using English to present a product or service to large audiences. Hello, Troy. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Oscar. Thank you. I'm happy to have you here and very anxious to hear about painting the picture and your, your personal story. So could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Well, sure. Um, uh, as, you, uh, as you said, I was, uh, I was born and raised uh, in the South Bronx. And uh, I, I, I grew up in a community uh, where there were predominantly African-American, Puerto Rican, and Dominican uh, individuals. So uh, I was also educated. Uh, uh, you know, and in, in South Bronx, mm -hmm. went to uh, high school. Uh, wound up going to to college uh, up north in uh, in Maine, a uh, small liberal arts college called called Bowdoin College. Um, after Bowdoin College, I um, I embarked on a career in sales. Started working at a Xerox sales agency, where I uh, got my feet wet working in sales, uh, smiling and dialing. Mm -hmm. After that, I went into uh, healthcare and pharmaceutical sales, working at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals as well as at as well as uh, Ortho McNeil uh, Pharmaceuticals, and it was there that I did most of my uh, my public speaking. Um, and as you said, ha uh, having to address uh, you know many doctors and nurses and pharmacists throughout New York, um, I came to Finland in uh, around 2010. So I've been here five years, and I started working um, as a language trainer, but that quickly transformed into um, corporate training where I helped Finnish people, uh, you know, master you know, key business skills associated with doing business in English. And then I started my own, uh, my, my own business with some partners uh, called cbwglobal.com. Uh, so I guess that's uh, the, long, uh, the long and short mm -hmm. of, uh, of my background. Great. And what was your very first motivation to speak in public? My, my first motivation to, to speak in public actually came from uh, a personal situation that happened back in 1992 when um, I was asked to, to speak in front of a large crowd uh, regarding the Los Angeles riots, the Los Angeles riots that, that started because of, uh, of a beating of a, of, a, of, a young, of a young black man named Rodney King uh, by, by several police officers. And, uh, it was caught on tape. The police were never uh, were never charged. Well, actually, never convicted of any crime. Mm. Sorry, 
so riots erupted. I was asked to, to speak being a part of the leadership at that time. And I had to speak in front of a large crowd of people. I remember the, the, the press being there, many of the students being there, and I looked out at, the, at, this, at this large group. And uh, I, I had a nice pre uh, speech prepared, but I kind of lost my nerve and had to go from, go from the heart. But what I remember is that going from the heart allowed me to connect with people in a very, mm -hmm. in a very emotional way. Because um, I, I, I stopped thinking about what I was saying and how I was saying it, and I started to focus on the content of what I was saying and connecting with people. So I would say that, that was my first uh, journey into public speaking, if you will. Mm -hmm. And now do you have embarked in public speaking, sales, training. Today, what motivates you the most? You know, honestly, I, I'm, I'm motivated by my background. Mm -hmm. my, my late mother motivates me. Um, you know, in an environment that forces you to be tough in the South Bronx, she taught me to never give up. Uh, even if the odds are against you, uh, to keep on trying. Fear of poverty and desperation motivates me. Um, growing up not having much, um, you're scared of losing what you have. Um, my son motivates me and the desire to leave mm -hmm. him a legacy. Um, but if we're talking about business, I'm highly competitive and my competition motivates me because I want to be the best and uh, I want to make sure that I can deliver a high quality uh, training program to the people that I work with. The excellent. So you have many, many motivations. Absolutely. Yeah, that's excellent. And coming back to your origins in South Bronx, and now that I know also that you have been the training about cross-cultural communications, what South Bronx and Finland taught you about cross-cultural communications. Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, in the South Bronx, where I grew up, there were uh, predominantly uh, people of color, African Americans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of crime. Drug dealers, shooters, pimps, and, and prostitutes. And in order to survive in that neighborhood uh, with three distinct cultures, I had to speak a variety of different languages and uh, adopt many survival skills. And though I was not of the streets, I knew the language of the streets hmm. because using the king's English uh, could <laughs> make me a target in that environment. Yes. Um, I knew how to use humor to disarm bullies who wanted to beat me up and take my money hmm. um, or use a little bit of Spanish to make sure the Dominican drug dealers knew that I was cool enough to leave alone. Um, well, th you know, this didn't always work. Uh, I, you know, I, I was beat up several times by bullies who resented that I was a square. So I, you know, mm. I, I guess you can say that I learned the hard way that I had to be a bit of a chameleon and sometimes take mm. on the characteristics of, of various groups just so that I could survive in, you know, in an environment that, that did not, you know, always, you know, always tolerate, or actually, in fact, it, it never tolerated weakness on any level. Um, so I guess, you know, that was a foray into cross-cultural communications um, because I think that when you, when you look at cross-cultural communications, you look at your, you know, the main goal is to be able to uh, shed your skin, retain your core, mm -hmm. um, but um, adapt to 
you know, the particular culture that you're interacting in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and that's something that I had to do. Now, professionally, I, I learned the tools of cross-cultural communications from, from companies that specialize in, in providing that mm -hmm. service. Um, I also learned from my experience here in Finland as a cultural minority. Um, you know, uh, you know, Finland is, is a challenging culture to be in as a, as a, as a, visible, uh, as a visible minority, as I, as I clearly am. And, you know, when I first got here and uh, I saw the, you know, what can be called the very wooden faces uh, and mm -hmm. silence, uh, you know, of the, of the people here, I was threatened by that. Um, you know, I, I was used to, you know, being on a New York subway where, where people had a variety of different expressions and <laughs> um, it was loud. And uh, so in, in the beginning, I was offended by that. But I quickly learned that just because someone had a serious face didn't mean that they were angry. And just because someone <laughs> was, you know, just because someone was silent um, didn't mean um, that they, they lacked the ability to communicate or the willingness to communicate. Mm. So I had to, I guess, navigate the murky waters of, 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 of understanding um, the way Finnish people are. Uh, and not be offended, and not be offended, up, and not be offended by it. And I and I say that it was murky because it was it was it was it was challenging, um, because I had to um, again shed my my skin and my preconce my preconceived notions of of how people should be. So I was coming from um, an environment in New York where um, people acted a certain way, but now I was in an environment where people acted a different way. So I had to be able to, uh, to, uh, to adapt to that. And, uh, and, and that, mean, that meant really uh, putting my own, uh, my, own, my own preconceived notions aside. So you learn in both uh, environments and now you are, you are training about that. So you reach a level of understanding the cross-cultural communication in a way that you can really feel confident and teach it, right? Absolutely. Uh, what I do is I train my clients on on delivering public uh, speaking presentations that that paint the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, successfully successful public speakers don't you know just use or don't use data filled slides and incomprehensible charts. What they what they do is they relate an experience that paints a mm -hmm. picture in their audience's mind and use short bulleted sentences to drive home the main tenets of their message. You know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's Steve Jobs 101. Mm -hmm. As a as a pharmaceutical sales rep in the late 90s, I used to uh, present new products to hundreds of doctors around New York, and the clinical studies we gave them were were important to share, but it was not uh, an important element in painting the picture. You see, what we might do in a, in a presentation is we'd start off with a slide that's talking about a particular patient type with an illness. Mm -hmm. That patient had a name. Notice I said patient type, not patients. See, we emphasize with a personal experience, not, not an experience that is reduced to the metrics of large groups, see. Um, so we, we, you know, we have to humanize the patient by showing them looking sick. We might call the patient Anne. And then we would, we would tell Anne's story, how or why Anne got sick. I would build suspense by showcasing how she suffered in, 
you know, and maybe lost, you know, lost uh, a quality of life. By this point, every doctor in the room has Anne's face in their mind. They see Anne in their office. Anne is their patient. Okay? They see her. And what happens is they start to unconsciously bond emotionally to the image that they have, to the picture that they have in Mm -hmm. their minds. So after some time, I would reveal our product, the magic pill that Mm -hmm. would make Anne better. And along with simple dosing information, you know, and here, when we look at simple dosing information, we're looking at the simple bulleted points um, that you want to convey. So we might showcase that at the end. And this is what I teach my clients. Mm -hmm. Paint the picture. If you're a CFO and you're trying to get folks to invest in your organization, you're presenting to large groups of investors, you have to connect to them and bond to them in an emotional way. Paint the picture. Why is it, why are they there? They're there to invest their, or actually to consider investing their (laughs) money. Even to listen to you. (laughs) They're not there to listen to me. Um, They're there to learn how they're going to benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's in it for me? And I think that, you know, one of the most important things that uh, any presenter has to keep in mind is that the folks that they're talking to are the most important people in the world. Um, you know, human beings are self interested. And because we're self interested, we want to find out what's in it for us. Mm-hmm. So I think a, a successful public speaker, if they're trying to communicate, if they're trying to sell a product or service or even convey an important message, they have to connect very, very emotionally with the folks that they're talking to and have to answer that question. What's in it for them? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Can you summarize what are the steps or elements that make possible painting the picture? Well, I think that the, f- the first thing that you have, as I, I just, as I just said, um, you know, you have to find out why, you have to find out why that person is there, okay? Once mm-hmm. you've identified why they're there, okay? So if, let's say, a motivational speaker is speaking to, a motivational speaker is speaking to a group of salespeople, the reason that those salespeople are there is not to, not just to get motivated, they're there to improve their sales, Mm-hmm. So that motivational speaker has to arm them with the tools in order to make that happen. So I think that the most important thing, and perhaps the only thing, is to identify that thing that that person needs in that audience. What do they need? Mm-hmm. And get them to see it. Once you can, once you can answer that question, mm-hmm. you know, the elements of your presentation will come together. So I think starting there, I think that's the key. Okay, good. Now that you mentioned this salespeople also, what have you seen in the best salespeople? You you have worked in sales and you have definitely met many salespeople. Who are the best salespeople? What what do you have special? Well, the best salespeople are understand what motivates human behavior. I think that they are... I guess they're like psychologists Hmm. in a way. I don't know. Um, But what I will say is when I I used to be a salesperson, 
um, at one organization back in, uh, it was around 2005. And we used to grind it out with over easily 300 dials per day. And our goal uh, was to reach C-level uh, executives, or at the very least, director-level people. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, you're dealing with gatekeepers and a variety of different people who are trying to prevent you from talking to this person. Mm. But if you're lucky enough to, um, let's say, let's say you get a, if you're lucky enough to even get to that person's voicemail, <laughs> there's one thing that I used to do. Now, let's say I'm calling Ken Chino at, uh, you know, American Express. Now, this is a story that hasn't happened. Ken, so if you're listening, um, you know, it, it hasn't happened, but it, it would be great to get on your voicemail. Anyway, I might say, hi, Ken, hope you're well. I got a quick question that I understand only you can answer. When you, have a, when you have a quick moment, give me a call back. In case you forgot my number, it's XYZ, Troy. Then I'd hang up the phone. I had about a 20% callback rate, not because I had a really cool voice <laughs> um, or in fact that they wanted to answer my question. It's because I appealed to their ego. <laughs> Everyone thinks that they're the most important person in the room. <laughs> yes, it is. So if I'm calling you and asking for your expertise, and it's a question that only you can answer. So whether or not I'm leaving that message for, you know, an administrative assistant or an HR manager or a manager or a C-level executives, I would get call backs because that person feels important. And also, they might be embarrassed if they forgot my call. <laughs> usually, you know, if I, w if I was calling, it usually it was like the first call I made to them. So I think the best salespeople um, have that level of creativity um, to understand what motivates uh, human behavior and to formulate solutions um, to meet that need, to feed that ego. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good way of doing it. How often you you see that someone really makes a picture on your own mind? How often that happens? So do you have some examples of people who, who do it well? Well, obviously, I think I think that it, it goes without saying uh, that uh, you know people like uh, Steve Jobs does a great job. <laughs> Steve Jobs had well did a great job of of painting the picture. And that's why I said early on, Steve Jobs 101, um, because uh, he had you visualize the big picture. Um, and you wanted to be a part of that picture. Mm -hmm. um, I would also say that uh, I think Tony Robbins is amazing. He's an amazing mm -hmm. public speaker. Um, um, yeah, I think that I would, I would pick those two as my, as my top. Troy, please share with us your favorite quotation. Uh, my favorite quote is actually by Oscar Wilde. Uh, Oscar Wilde said, be yourself because everyone else is taken. <laughs> what does it uh, mean for you? Well, I think um, coming from the environment that I came from, uh, you know, I had to be a bit of a chameleon, as, mm. I, as I've said. And... Uh, you know, having to go into many different environments and, and adapt 
to, ad to adapt to cultures uh, and adopt uh, certain, uh, certain behaviors. Um, it's been very important that I retain the core of who I am. Mm. Uh, and, and the core of who I am is, uh, you know, that, you know that, that kid growing up in the South Bronx um, who didn't have anything. You know, that kid growing up in the South Bronx, um, you know, when I wanted, you know, a $200 bike hmm. and I asked my mom for that and she says, well, you know what, I can help you, but I, 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 I don't have that much money. So I had to find a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so what, I, what did I do? I, I, I went to the store and uh, grocery stores and I used to help old ladies to their car for tips mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and, I, and I made it happen. And I think that that's the same thing I'm doing today. Um, you know, as an African-American man and, and, and a managing director, or managing partner, sorry, at, at my own company, cbwglobal.com, CBW Global, what I've had to do is come into an environment that hasn't always been hospitable. Um, the South Bronx wasn't very hospitable, mm. but I had to eke out an existence for myself. Um, you know, first starting as uh, as a language trainer um, for several years, and, and then going off with partners and starting my own company. Um, I'm still that that kid from the South Bronx mm -hmm. that's trying to get that bike for two hundred dollars. Um, so I think that when Oscar Wilde says, um, you know, be yourself because everyone else is taken. For me, that means I can't be like the C-level executive who went to Phillips Exeter, grew up in an upper-middle-class mm -hmm. background in Boca Raton. I'm not that guy. Mm -hmm. So don't try to be that guy. Okay? I can only be who I am. And yeah, do great. Yeah, it's a great quotation as well. And, and a good, uh, the, you, the, the way you put it in, the, in your own context. Troy, could you now recommend one book that has inspired you? Are you think our listeners should read it? Absolutely. Um, the book that I recommend is uh, The Painted Bird uh, by Yersi, uh, Yersi uh, Kaczynski. Uh, it's a book that uh, profiles the story of a young gypsy or Jewish, uh, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. stray uh, traveling uh, throughout uh, Eastern Europe during World War II and the horrors uh, that, this, that this little boy has to encounter. Um, you know, and... Uh, the, how he survived through the, sh the sheer strength of his own will. Um, his own desire for survival allowed him to withstand some of the greatest horrors hmm. um, that, that he saw. So I think that it's a, it's a great story for, um, for, un for, for seeing that however, however bad things get, there is some hope if you look deep inside yourself. There is, there's always hope. So is this book it tells a, a real story? Uh, no, it's a work of fiction. Mm -hmm. It's a work of fiction. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds very interesting. Eh? It's thanks a for great, book, great book. Thanks for sharing. So this is almost the end of the interview. Finally, could you share with us a routine to shine, an exercise, something practical that you recommend doing daily or weekly as a routine to shine? I would say do something every day that makes you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Some examples? 
Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give you I'll give you a great example. And, uh, you know, yeah, basketball was 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 the game in New York mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I grew up playing basketball every day since as, as long as I, I can remember. And I said that, you know what, I'm going, you know, last summer I said, you know what, I'm going to learn how to swim. Mm. I didn't know how to swim because there were very few swimming pools in my neighborhood. So last summer I learned how to swim. Mm. That was something that was very uncomfortable for me because I had a fear of water. Uh, This winter uh, I learned how to ski. Oh. (laughs) Okay. And it was something that was very uncomfortable for me. Um, because I had always considered myself mm, a fairly, a fairly good businessman and, and someone who can wheel and deal, but doing things uh, physically, that was that was a that was a challenge for me. So I would say to to your listeners, mm-hmm. if you know, do something that makes you uncomfortable every day. Okay, maybe it's you know uh, you know it's reading a certain book or an article, or listening mm. to someone that you wouldn't ordinarily listen to. Um, because now we're, we live in an age where, you know, we can curate the information that we, um, that, that we, uh, that we see online, for example. So, you know, go to a website yes. that you might, or might not ordinarily go to and read some information. Challenge yourself. Excellent piece of advice. So you say, actually, uh, I know that uh, learning to swim as adult is very challenging. It's, so. it's 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 yeah, especially if you're the adult in the kiddie pool. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Thank you very much, uh, Troy, for this very uh, inspiring story of yourself and painted the picture and all what you, what you have telling us about cross-cultural communication, sales. Finally, could you tell us uh, how people can follow you, learn more about you? Well, you can certainly find me at cbwglobal.com. Uh, or troy.woodson at cbwglobal.com. You can also find me on on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. uh, Troy Woodson. Uh, You can find me there very easily. Probably the the only in Finland, probably. Yes. (laughs) Okay, the the only Troy Woodson in Finland. I think I am the only only (laughs) Troy Troy Woodson in Finland. Pretty sure about that. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you very much, Troy, and all the best. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Oscar. Bye bye. Bye now. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.